Welcome to Very Honored Frater BT's Esoteric Podcast, Episode 89, in which Gnosis the Aquarian and I interview Silence the Aquarian, also known as Dr. Robert Strong. But first... This is the segment in which I recite The Book of Tokens by Very Honored Frater P. Paul Foster Case. The Meditation on the Letter Hay. In whatsoever object thou perceivest, know me as the essence, as the idea as the interior nature. Because of this, the wise come easily to me by many paths. Yet in truth, these different roads are but a single way. If thou canst penetrate into the nature of the simplest thing, there shalt thou find me. This is the key to the mystery of the sacred letters. Fix thy mind on the object set before thee by any letter, and hold thy thought to meditation thereon. Then shall the inner nature of that object be made known to thee, and by this means shalt thou draw nigh to some aspect of my being. Consider then the secret meaning of the letter Hay, for even as I am the essence and idea and interior nature of every ox, of every house, of every camel, and of every door, so am I also the essence and idea and interior nature of every window. If thou set thy mind to meditate upon the interior nature of a window, thou shalt readily perceive that every window hath somewhat the nature of a door, inasmuch as it is an opening in the wall of a house. The house is Keter, the crown of primal will, and the door is Binah, the gate of understanding. And as the thought of the door is from the building of the house, so is the thought of the window from the fashioning of the door. Hence, those instructed in the secret wisdom declare, that Chesed, the path of beneficence, proceedeth from Binah, the gate of understanding, even as the idea of the window proceedeth from the idea of the door. For I am merciful, because mine understanding compasseth the secret nature of all things. My loving-kindness is the fruit of my discrimination. Again, 
A window is set in the wall of a house, even as the eye is set in the head, that they who dwell within may look abroad to see what passeth without. Hence it is written in the Sefir Yetzirah that the letter He correspondeth unto the faculty of sight. This referreth to my power of vision, which is not as thine, since nothing escapeth it, and all things appear unto it in their true aspect. It is written, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. And because I, the dweller in the house of the supernal will, see all things as they really are, my vision hath no taint of false judgment. Seeing I understand, and because nothing is hid from me, therefore I am merciful. But the path of my mercy is a way concealed from the profane, because they have not attained unto my perfect vision. Easier to follow is the flight of an eagle, for my way soareth high above the comprehension of the mind of man. As it is written, Lo, he goeth by me, and I see him not. He passeth on also, and I perceive him not. Yet is the secret of that way hidden in thy bosom, O Israel. For my way is the way of the word, and the word is hidden in thy heart. For this is the word creative, which calleth all things into being. Here is a mystery, for the letter Hay concealeth the word, and the word is as truly a vision as it is a voice. With me there is no difference between speech and sight. In very truth, I utter myself by seeing. Unto the uninstructed, the coming forth of the creative word is as a mist and a vapor. For existence is as a veil of concealment, which hideth my true nature from their eyes. Hidden and imperceptible is the essence of my being, which sages call concealed with all concealments. By day, when thy senses busy themselves with their appropriate objects, if thou seest me at all, shall I be unto thee even as to thy forefathers, not but a pillar of cloud, vague and uncertain, going before thee. But at night, when thou hast withdrawn thy senses into themselves, and thy mind is no longer swept away, by the multiplicity of objects, thou shalt perceive me more clearly as a pillar of living fire. Behold, it shall be well with thee if thou canst understand this saying, and if thou knowest what is day and what is night. None hath seen me face to face, for I am the forerunner of all. Thus, O Israel, am I ever before thee, 
on the way of life. And to all mankind it is said, even to Moshe, Thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. No matter how far thou goest, I have already passed that way. Thou shalt never see me as I am, but thou mayest know me in what I have done. The wise discover me in my works. No man perceiveth me as father, until as mother I have brought forth creatures. The following of hay after Dalet in the alphabet is a sign and symbol of this truth. Even as Ema, the mother, concealeth the yod of Av, the father, so do hay, though the wise call it the mother wherewith creation took place, conceal that same paternal yod, since hay in its plentitude is the number ten. Therefore, the letter hay belongeth to my paternal mercy, since in the number four, which appertaineth unto chesed, mercy is the number ten concealed, even as it is hidden in the word window. And in that exhaustless mercy lie hid the riches of my kingdom, for the decad is the kingdom, and the decad is hidden in chesed. Regard me, therefore, as the paternal yod, which imparteth life to the whole creation, not made with hands, but begotten in this universe, of which thou art at once a part and the whole. Of mine own substance are all things made, and I give myself freely to everyone. They know me truly, who see that it is my nature to bring forth and to originate. This whole universe is an expression of my primal will to yield fruit. Even as in Genesis thou mayest read that light was the first creation, so hath it been known since the beginning by the wise. They worship me with wisdom, who turn their faces toward the east, for the shining of the dawn is a type of all my works. This whole creation is the irradiation of that limitless light which I am, and never shall mere man attain to the source of that divine illumination. None may grasp me, and to those who seek to capture me in the net of thought, I am the eternal fugitive. Yet though I elude pursuit, I am the source and support even of the pursuers. And in truth, the food of all beings, the bread thou eatest is my body, the wine thou drinkest is my blood. For because creation took place with the letter hay, that letter is the ground of all created existence, the stuff from which every form is built, the supply for every need. All this am I. Therefore, though none may capture me in the net of thought, he shall speak truly who say, laying his hand on anything soever, whether men prize it or scorn it as of no worth. Dost ask me to show thee the Lord? Verily, in this 
shalt thou find him, if thou hast eyes to see. Today, New Aquarians, Gnosis the Aquarian, and of course myself, Pymander the Aquarian, sat down and interviewed Silence the Aquarian, Dr. Robert Strong, on the subject of Gnosis and Gnosticism. In the name of the Lord of the Universe, who works in silence and whom not but silence can express. Let's get to that interview, shall we? <laughs> I forget that. Yeah, my day for Wednesday, baby. Welcome to the Esoteria Nerd Podcast, my brethren in the the New Aquarian uh, Brotherhood that we've just made up. No, no, this is uh, Silence the Aquarian. Here Silence the Aquarian, yeah. aka Doctor Robert. So we've got silence. Si- so gnosis, gnosis is yes. new. Gnosis Aquarian, also a second generation. Given by Jin, uh, the name was given by Jin, and so so uh, the the resident expert in gnosis in gnosticism. They there there's a difference, of course, between gnostic and right. gnosis, though the words are connected. One is more of a general thing, mm-hmm. and one is more of a specific thing. Would you care to elaborate? Um, Sure. Um, a lot of this kind of overlaps with my own personal experience, and that's why I got into it in the first place. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a very fundamentalist church in the South. My dad was a pastor. Um, and as I kind of begin to differentiate from that culture and try to figure out the whole God thing and what it meant to me, I you know, begin to discover the books that were left out of the canon. Right. Um, and so we're talking about the Council of Nicaea, right. 325 AD, when Constantine, whose mother was very devoutly Christian, got all the, the bishops, the appointed bishops together. Uh, I, get, I believe it was all of them, right? Um, maybe there were some left out, the ones well, we now call Gnostic, right? I, I was telling our friend Gnosis, of course, oh, right, right. Um, that there was kind of this, um, this tension that had been building since the very early stages of the church. Right. Um, where... Uh, there was a Jerusalem church uh, that largely followed James mm-hmm. and John, and a lot of them saw James, the brother of Jesus, as a natural successor of the church. Right. And they didn't call themselves Christians or church. They were Essenes. Mm. They were uh, part of the same Essene order that Jesus and John the Baptist were a part of. Now, what's the source on this? Because a lot of, like, like if you when you started talking like this at the Orthodox Church the other day, the guy was just like, this no, is, no, no, is, no, no, you must leave. This is straight from the Dead Sea Scrolls. Okay. There's so much detailed overlap in in uh, several of the books found in the Dead Sea Scrolls, mm-hmm. uh, out in the desert. Um, so and this Kubran, is the same region that Jesus talked about going to the backside of the desert for his training with his cousin John the Baptist. A lot of the John the Baptist's habits and rituals described in the Bible Man, I have, the have Dead no sea context I, I read them. outside of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yeah. And, and when, when the Dead Sea Scrolls came to light, people began to interpret them uh, into English. Yeah. The church didn't know what to do with it. The church really tried to sit on it for a really long time. Right, right. Um, and um, 
because they want to think that Jesus just arrived in a vacuum. He just right. came from heaven without any cultural context at all. Yeah, yeah. Without yeah. appreciating appreciating the cultural givenness. Yeah, so it's like blasphemy to say that he uh, yeah. was educated <laughs> or something. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. Enough. Or that he, since he grew up in Alexandria, that he might have been a little bit cosmopolitan. Right. You know, like he might have had a little bit, a little bit, a little savvy. And when, maybe when he came back and he was talking to the rabbis, maybe he would have had a little bit of a different perspective than someone who was born and raised in Jerusalem and became a rabbi and maybe would have blown their mind. Maybe without being some, some, like, you know, special person. Right. Might have been a regular guy, you know, who was an impressive 12 year old. There was a direct uh, Alexandrian connection, though, because the Essenes had satellite branches mm -hmm. that lived on the co uh, communes and compounds mm -hmm. uh, on the lake not far from Alexandria. Mm -hmm. And they were called therapeutae in the Alexandrian Greek, mm. which is where we get our word therapist from. Oh. They, were, they were into uh, various forms of shamanistic healing, uh, using stones, astrology, kind of um, a, a body calendar similar to what the alchemists used. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, they, they use a lot of that in the Essene text as well, when you, when you read the Manual of Disciplines and some of those books mm. in the Dead Sea Scrolls. Um, but after Jesus left, uh, you had the Church of James and John the Baptist, where they saw themselves as basically the urban satellite of the wilderness compound. Like the people on the wilderness, those were the monks, the hardcore monks living in the hills. Right. But they were basically sending missionaries into the city. Right. And, and those, were the, those were the sort of lay ministers that were allowed to marry... Uh, the rules were a little bit different, and they were creating a movement that was radically anarchistic, radically anti-authoritarian, mm. and they contrasted themselves with the temple establishment of the time. And you see that all throughout the Dead Sea Scrolls. In fact, the Dead Sea Scrolls talk about a teacher of righteousness who will be killed, um, and, and it basically everything they talk about this teacher of righteousness lines up so much with Jesus, although there is some historical indication that there might have been an actual other person that married right. Jesus. Just a couple hundred years before, uh, but some people say they were one and the same. But so well, they were like, very anti-authoritarian, and I was telling Gnosis that um, at some point members of the temple establishment wanted to kind of rein them back in, and uh, you also had this whole other Greek segment that wanted to do something different. Mm. Basically, when the councils, though, when 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 Constantine gave the thumbs up to Christianity, the people that were kind of power hungry that really liked authoritarian structure. They, they tried to take which books work best within an authoritarian structure right. and try to circle the wagons and shoulder everyone else out as heretics. Yeah. And that was basically uh, the part that was left out of Christianity. And the reason I'm so excited to kind of discover the way all this pieces together right. is because I just had this like brain explosion when I realized that's exactly what's happened to Christianity in America. Mm. The Christians in the red states have basically taken the parts of the gospel that correlate with late-stage capitalism, American empire, mm. and left out everything else. Right. Um, and they ended up electing this Messiah that is pretty much the exact opposite of everything that Jesus himself stood for. Right. And because my parents are so deep into that, and so many people from back home are deep into that, it's not just a cultural curiosity for me. It's a deeply personal thing. Yeah. Like, you can imagine if your family was held hostage by this malevolent force, you would want to, right. to do something to deliver them. Yeah. And maybe in some weird way, that's what my book's about. Oh, wow. My book's yeah. about trying to bring the real Jesus back into Christianity that yeah. my family's involved with. Wow. So you talk about the anti-authoritarian parts being left out, but uh, would you consider any parts put in to uh, uh, di 
anti-loot and anti-authoritarian message, like, it's pretty, it's not cliche, but you hear very often, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's is a famous... Um, that was St. Paul? Or was that Jesus? That was, no, that was Jesus. That was Jesus. Okay. He, uh, they, they were asking, they were kind of trying to bait him because they knew that the Essenes were very anti-authoritarian. And, they, and, they, and the Essenes had a beef against the temple establishment because they felt the temple establishment was too beholden to Rome. Right. So they're like, so do you guys pay taxes or what? What do you think about money? And, and Jesus basically just gave him a riddle back. Right. This is, has a picture of Caesar on it. Give to Caesar what's Caesar and to God's what is God's. Um, they had a very communitarian lifestyle. They had a common purse. When you joined the Essenes, you basically gave everything you owned right. to, to uh, the, the community. Like when Jesus told the potential disciple, and the interesting thing is after learning all this, so much about the Gospels in the traditional uh, Bible makes so much more sense. Like when Jesus told the disciple, he, he said, what can I do to follow you? And he said, give up everything you own. And, the, and the, he said that to the rich young ruler who wanted to be one of them. And the guy's just like, ah, okay. You know. And he left. Yeah. Yeah. But that was, that was literal. That was the one about the, and then he said it's easier for the camel to enter through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Oh my God. You have no, no idea how many times I've quoted that verse to <laughs> the folks back home. Because I'm still friends on Facebook with so many people. Yeah. See guys, I was, I was actually training to be a, a conservative minister at one point myself. Mm. I don't know if I've ever told you this, mm. but I was a student at Central Bible College, wow. Springfield, Missouri, right in the buckle of the Bible Belt. Mm. My dad being the Assemblies of God minister, that's like the Assemblies of God ministerial college. It was just kind of a given. That's where you're going to go to college. So, mm. so I went there for a few years, and, and it was actually there when I started sorting some of this out. Right. You know, I had some questions about the Bible, and they're like, hey, you know, if you have questions about the Bible, just pray about it, and the Holy Spirit will reveal it to you. And read right. About it. <laughs> the Holy Spirit revealed to me something very different than yeah. what they were teaching. So. Yeah. Well, and that's, I went through the Orthodox branch of the Catholic Church, and I went through the, you know, to get um, chrismated in. So I went through their training, and I asked some questions. And there were certain, you know, I was, I was in a cult anyway, so I was, like, willing to swallow them out a certain amount, certain amount of bullshit because it was kind of, like, part of my hazing process to become a, a, a bona fide Catholic or something. And so... Um, so yeah, but I would ask them similar questions, and uh, you know, like what about the what about the Gnostics, you know? And then you know, my priest would explain that um, yeah, that there were you know all kinds of people. Some people were saying Jesus was a giant. Some people were saying he was a human. Some people were saying you know like it was it was that you know and, and some people were just profaning his name. And Are so you talking like about the people in the, in the Golden Dawn. No, this is what the Orthodox Church says. Oh, okay. Um, that 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 Constantine got all the the, the bishops who were mm -hmm. you know rightly appointed by by the Holy Spirit to to into one room and then since they were all together the Holy Spirit was really moving you know that day and they came up the, <laughs> with the with the with the Nicene uh, you know uh, creed to clarify the the true doctrine which we all believe right you must believe this right because you all say it every every Sunday right and you have to say you believe it in order to be led into the church right unless you're born into it but anyway. Uh, we believe in one God, Father, Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth. God from God, life from life, true God from true God, Maker of heaven and earth. You know the one. Um, you know, uh, there's, there's a lot of beautiful stuff, even in Orthodox Christianity. Yeah. That, that, oh, it's beautiful. That like I, you said, I read it's differently absolutely... after studying Gnosticism. It, yeah. doesn't, it doesn't turn me away from Christianity. It just makes me want to go, more guys, interested. there are so much Yeah, more but they're not this. interested. Yeah, they want... It's beautiful. you got to see the deeper meaning Yeah, there. they want nothing to do with that. Because then, uh, then they take anything that doesn't fit with that, like 
There's this story where Jesus, in the Gospel of Nicodemus, breaks through the iron gates of hell like they were glass, or Hades, like they were glass, and then sets all the souls free, and then Hades is pissed off, so it gets hot there. I mean, I, I can see why they left this one out of the Bible. But my point is, there were other <laughs> Gospels, <laughs> you know, and, and some of them were good. The th Thunder the Perfect Mind, I can see why they left, I mean, from the, from, yeah, from a, from, when you're trying to put an organization together, you don't want to have part of your doctrine be, fuck organizations, these people are stupid. Thunder you the know. Perfect Mind, that's, that's one of the uh, Nag Hammadi texts, right? Yeah, yeah. I was, I was telling Gnosis about the, 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 the big finds that they discovered right around the same time, the, the Nag Hammadi texts from Egypt. And the Dead Sea Scrolls, yeah, and just the, the parallels of those two finds, and ironically oh, right. enough, they were discovered right around the same time. Yeah, and Carl Jung, of all people, ended up sitting on some of the codices that the Catholic Church was trying to confiscate. Oh wow! And that's what, an what do you mean sit, sitting on? Like uh, hiding onto? Oh Hanging wow. onto? Yeah, um, because they really were were working hard to to keep us from coming to life. So the Gnostics, after do, I mean. So the people that were declared by the, the uh, Constantinian Church, you are heretics. Like I, I know that you you were describing initiations that the Gnostics would go through. The yeah. Valentinian. When was that? Like what? Um, the the initiations go back to a group of pre-Christian Gnostics called Sethians, mm. um, and the Essenes. Uh, use a lot of the Sethian texts. Mm -hmm. Like there are Sethian books from the Dead Sea Scrolls, where they saw themselves as a spiritual lineage of the, the child of Adam, Seth. Cain and Abel, those were the children of duality. Right. Um, and when you ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, uh, you were you either from dead either, or a killer. You were, yes, <laughs> yeah. exactly. You were either the victim yeah. or the killer. Yeah. It's eat or be eaten yeah. in that world, which is the essence of capitalism, right? Right. Um, but so you go from unity consciousness to polarity. but. When all the shit went down with Cain and Abel, they had another son, Seth. They saw themselves coming from lineage from Seth through Enoch, um, and Melchizedek, Melchizedek they saw as this... Melchizedek. Melchizedek, as, as an archangel. Yeah. Um, and, and he was... Some of the Sethians saw him as... Well, saw Christ as uh, a reincarnation of Melchizedek. Mm. Some saw him as a reincarnation of Enoch, some Elijah. And it yeah, says that yeah. explicitly, even in the... Uh, in the uh, Orthodox version yeah. of the Bible, some people think you're I Elijah. Yeah, it um, means uh, righteous king, but Zadi also means Jupiter, so it's Jupiter king. And and they had an astro they had an astrological thing. Mm -hmm. The Essenes did, and uh, that's something that the Orthodox Church would really crap their pants about because they think anything related to astrology is quote well, unquote demonic. Is, like yeah, the priests don't mind studying this stuff amongst themselves, but when the when the uh, congregation comes up and says, oh, "I heard something about this," they're like, "No, they're there," you know, like you know. I don't know, they don't encourage, like, uh, extracurricular study, but, like, mm -hmm. what, what ended up happening was, you know, our priest uh, would, would go read the stuff and get back, you know, and then we kept going to church, so he was, like, researching what we were into, and so he started, like, quoting the Sefer Yetzirah during the homily and stuff, so it was pretty cool. Um, when I first met you, and, and you were kind of introducing me to some of the Golden Dawn rituals, mm -hmm. it really kind of blew my mind that a hundred years ago, they, they had had some of these rituals passed down word of mouth, I guess, from the Rosicrucians and the Masons. Right. We got them from the Sufis, I guess, mm. um, which the Sufis got a lot of their stuff from the Essenes. They were right. basically the Essenes that were forced to con convert to Islam. Mm. And they're like, oh, sure, we'll go along with it, whatever, whatever. Oh, interesting. Um, but, um, but the Sethians, um, they, and they, the Sethians had rituals 
that were very similar to the Mithraic rituals and some of the, the rituals of Bacchus and the other Greek mystery religions. Uh, there were these almost like universal rituals that involved, um, one was a cave ritual that often happened on winter solstice. Mm -hmm. And the Mithraists, they actually built underground chambers. Uh, a lot of the other rural movements like the Essenes and the Pythagoreans, mm -hmm. um, they used actual caves. So you would enter a cave uh, during the winter solstice and um, you'd stay there for three days and come out facing the sun. Um, while you were there, you would go through a ritual baptism um, where you'd be stripped, um, uh, bathed, and re-robed in a white garment. Um, so there was the, the, the cave ritual where you left for three days, the, the baptism. Uh, then there was a stargazing ritual, which was the last ritual. And, and on the next night, you were laying in the grass and, and the father of the group would come and anoint your head and, and, and give you the sacred sacrament, which we have all indication. And in fact, one of the foremost scholars of the Dead Sea Scrolls uh, wrote an entire series of books about the sacred mushroom mm -hmm. as it related to Christian and pre-Christian uh, mystical groups. But he got really panned mm -hmm. um, unjustly. In fact, they're starting to vindicate some of his research now. But um, you would be basically dosed uh, with a psychedelic substance, and you would go through a star journey. And the way they used astrology, they had kind of a Ptolemaic calendar. And they believed archangels were in charge of each realm, if you could picture centrifugal rings going up the dome of heaven. Mm -hmm. And they didn't see the, and they saw the gods of these places not necessarily as being benevolent creatures. And that was actually split within the Gnostics themselves. Some Gnostics had a, like the, the Hermetics had a very parallel uh, set of rituals, but but they didn't necessarily see the gods as good or bad. Right. They saw them as friends. There was a whole bunch of Gnostics that were very pessimistic, and they saw the Archons as creating this constraining prison of a reality. They, they built this fallible flesh. You can kind of understand, dog -dog like, world. like I remember my, my old teacher Gordon, mm -hmm. you know, and he was an older guy, and he was, you know, had body issues, and I'd be like, life is a gift, and he'd be like, yeah, fucking keep the receipt, you know, that's actually kind <laughs> right. of the name, but, you yeah. know, but he was like, he was like, yeah, it's you, you youngsters say that, you know, but like, you know, just wait, you know, like, like one day you'll be like, oh, fucking, can I end this already, you know, mm -hmm. like, like it gets old, you know, I mean, like it gets, and so, I mean, it's like almost like his philosophy on life. And my philosophy on life is like mirrored in these two different kinds of Gnosticism. Right. It's like maybe one was more popular with the more healthy youngsters who were getting laid. You it's know, likely. The other was more popular with people who were watching the other ones get laid. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, like, you know, when I grew up, I was a beta male. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I got lucky in life. I, yeah. I love my life now, but, but I was a struggling beta male. And, and I write a lot about my own personal journeys in this book, uh, which is like, it's called Psilocybin Sundays. Uh, uh, confessions of a gonzo theologian. Right. But it has a lot of my personal personal journey overlaid with this kind of cultural study of Christianity in America and down through history and the, mm. how Gnosticism has been this kind of vein yeah. uh, that has been used or left out. But yeah. uh, but there was there was a point where I was really struggling with suicide and one of the uh, chapters in the book I'm standing on this bridge going over the Mississippi River right where it jumps into the Ohio River. And I'm on my way back to college from my family's house, and I'm standing there thinking, 
about Jeff Buckley and how he just drowned in the Mississippi River mm. and thinking, I think this is the way I want to go. Um, and, and a large part of it was because I had lived my life so eyes wide open to the pain and suffering around me. Mm. It felt like I had that Gnostic view of the world yeah. that it's eat or be eaten. Right. It's steal or starve. And it just felt like the natural order was so built to fail. Right. I just didn't want to be a part of it anymore. Yeah. And so yeah. philosophically and personally, I have I reasons see. for being on that Yeah, bridge. maybe one leads to the other, or, or can. But, like, uh, like you can start off kind of more cynical and eventually come around to a little bit... You know, like I used to hate Los Angeles, for instance. Mm -hmm. And then uh, over time, I started to learn to love it a little bit. You know, I mean, I like taking a break from it, but like... Well, you know, I'd, I I'd always, been, like to I'd always been told God is all-loving and yeah. all-knowing. Yeah. And even as a kid, how can God be all-knowing and all-loving and allow good things to happen to bad people right. and all these things? You yeah. Know? How come the, the evil uh, thrive and, and, the, and the good, you know, s struggle? Yeah. Um, and well, the, I mean, the, the description that I would, in, in a, if a theoricus asked me that, I would explain that um, when the veils of negative existence, you know about this? No. The, uh, okay, so so before the beginning, before Genesis, according to the Zohar, more mm -hmm. or less, there was uh, the the the, uh, the veils of negative existence where there was ein, there is no nothing, no thing, mm -hmm. and then since there's no thing, there's no limits. So ein sof is no limit, and then ein sof or since there's no limit, there's no limit to the light, and so there's light everywhere, and so but since there was no limit to the light, then that included all things, including contradictions. And so things that were contrary to the nature of the light all ended up concentrated in one little ball in the middle. And God didn't know what to do with it. And he shot a beam of himself into it, and there were ten containers already there present, and they shattered from the light because they didn't know how to give. They only knew how to receive. And so then what lit up there was Adam. And so it's Adam's job to fucking figure the thing out. Ah. And, you know, it's our job, yeah. Yeah. And that was me standing on the bridge. First of all, do I want to keep doing this or not? Yeah. And for a variety of reasons, mainly because I thought of my sister. And I just... Oh, yeah. She cries... That's what it keeps me... My, my sister's mentally disabled. My sister's mentally disabled. Mm. And, and when I would leave for college, I'd think about her big brown eyes and how they would just well with tears. And I'd think, God, if, if she cries like this when I leave to go back to college, I can imagine what she would... Oh. Her tears if She'd I... never stop If I crying. died. So I was like, no, I'm... I don't care what life those. I mean, I'm going to keep going. Yeah. But, well. but, but it's interesting when I walked back off that bridge, and I walked into this McDonald's. I was down at the end, you know, um, and I ordered a cup of coffee and a cheeseburger. It was like the best cheeseburger I'd ever had, and the yeah. best cup of coffee because all of a sudden, I was crashing the party. Yeah. You know, in a parallel universe, I'm 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 drowning right now. Oh right. But here I am. I'm eating this cheeseburger. Holy fuck, this is good. Yeah. And and so. Things went from being this very depressed, muted reality to being almost hyper real. Oh, you had to go through it to and, come out the other side. Right. And, and, and a lot of the Gnostic rituals involved confronting your own death. Yeah. Um, and, and it's interesting, you told me that one of the Golden Dawn rituals, you were actually kind of locked in a chamber for three days. That very similar to that wasn't the original exact, Gnostics, That wasn't right? traditional Golden Dawn, but okay. the particular group I came from was a little bit freaky. <laughs> but that's, yeah. that's true to form, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what the higher Gnostics did. Right. I mean, that's pretty hardcore, but that's... It's true to form historically. Yeah. Um, but um, the the Sethians, going back to the early Gnostics, they had this view that the Creator God was a dick. Yeah. They called the him Demiurge. Yes, right? the Demiurge. Yeah. They had several names for him. They called him Yalda Bayoth, which is Lord of Hosts. Mm. But when they say Lord of Hosts, they don't mean like rah 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 the good angels. They mean the bad angels. 
What's their name? Yaldabaoth, or oh, okay. Yaldabaoth. Um, they also call him Samael, which means the blind, mm. the, the basically the blind god. Um, but so when they went through their ascension ritual, through their initiation, and they were laying in the grass, looking at the celestial domes, they had to confront uh, the god form within each of those domes, and the first one was Yaldabaoth. Mm. And they had special phrases and words that they would use um, that in modern American terms were basically, I know who you are, buddy. You're not fooling anybody. I'm a child of the, the Most High God that's above you. You're but a reflection of Him. Let me through. And so they'd go and, and confront each God form at each planetary stage. Yeah. Um, some, and some of them had that kind of like, sort of like, I know you, buddy. Fuck off. Let me through. But some of the Gnostics, they've integrated it a little bit more. Right. And I'm actually starting to get there. A little there. more respectful. Well, I'm starting to get, get back to that in my yeah. own spiritual life. Yeah. Because I've been so, like, I've got to tell everybody that Yaldan Bayoth is the false god and they're worshiping the wrong god. But, right. but some of the more optimistic ones, they had this way of integrating each of the god forms. And instead of you being evil, it's like, you're the only god form you could be at this level. Mm. Almost like the developmental stages of a child. We don't expect a child to be able to do calculus. We don't expect a child to be able to engage in, in high-level abstract moral reasoning. Yeah. Um, and so that's the God form for the Iron Age. You know, you did your best, buddy. Hmm. You know, and, and so in a way, the whole thing was like a model of developmental spiritual psychology that they were going through on an experiential level. Um, and it wasn't until I started... Uh, hokey as it might sound, experimenting with taking psychedelics and going to church um, that had a really thick liturgy mm. that I began to kind of see how that all fit together experientially. Because mm. a lot of people misunderstand Gnosis as being like, oh, you have to know the key words. Oh, you guys think you know everything right. better than us conventional Christians. Right. Which was one of the whole things with the validated That's no Christians. stick. <laughs> but, but Gnosis, the, the proper interpretation isn't just like head knowledge. Mm. It's it's heart knowledge. It's ex Oneness. it's experiential knowledge. Like I experienced this firsthand. I just don't know about it. I've experienced it. Yeah. And and, uh, and so technically, anybody who can't say that that is an agnostic. <laughs> you know, in a manner of speaking. Yeah. A lot of people that consider themselves, you know, like they haven't had the the realization of the oneness with the universe yet. They haven't right. had the gnosis. So I mean, you know. And uh, Val Valentinius was an interesting. Um, He's kind of my hero because he was able to sort of straddle those two worlds. Mm. They're really funky, far-out mystics. But at the same time, he could translate it enough to the conventional Christians that he almost became Pope. Mm. I mean, he was that close. And it makes me wonder what the church would have been like had he become the Pope. Who is this? Valentinius. Oh, okay. Um, and he was one of the Gnostics that could kind of speak yeah. the language to both groups of people. Right. And so he was a, a fantastic social leader in that regard yeah and he had this ideal that they were different levels of christians that there were carnal christians that were there for all the wrong reasons they didn't get it at all mm. there were new there were um let me see what was it uh there were mental christians they sort of understood some of it those would be like your evangelicals maybe you know they kind of get a lot about the narrative but yeah they get a lot wrong too and then the, the, the pneumatic Christians. They're the ones who had direct gnosis and experience. Mm. And, and he would 
often use the phrase about his more conventional counterparts that they're dry wells, mm. uh, that, that, that they have all the form but none of the, the spirit. Yeah. One of the interesting things I'm, I'm finding too, going back and reading the traditional Bible after reading the Gnostic text, is Paul was a blazing Gnostic. Mm. Like, I always got hung up on, oh, he's like, he has traditional views about yeah, women, women should and cover their stuff. heads and men shouldn't. Right. Yeah. But, but a lot of what he said, like, you are living epistles written by God. Right. Um, not with the letter of the law, but the letter of the Spirit. Mm. I mean... We are one body with many members, and not all members have the same function. Right. The eye doesn't do what the heart does. The hand doesn't do what the ear does. I mean, that's radical stuff, really. Yeah. He's like, you could do what you want with my epistles. Sure, you know, yeah. give them a certain level of authority. Your life is an epistle. And that, in a way... That's is... what Buddha said. Yes. Yeah, the Living Sutra. Jesus said it, too, that the law about the law written on the heart. Yes. And he was asking, what is the greatest commandment? And, and they said, to love the Lord thy God with all thy soul and all thy strength, and heart, soul, and strength, and to love thy neighbor as thyself. And no, he added that. And he said, let me, let me add to that. You know, so that's, big, that's like, he did two things. He said, stop killing lambs, and <laughs> love thy neighbor as much as you love God. Because <laughs> we're all God, get it? And they're all like, he's God, worship him or die. And they're like, <laughs> no, that's no, not what I was saying at all. Like, there is so much more truth in the life of Brian than people yeah, realize. Yeah, yeah. Holy well, they originally were going to call it the trials and tribulations of the life of Jesus Christ. Oh, my goodness. And then they were like, oh, they got too much flack for that. So they made it the life of Brian, <laughs> the neighbor of Jesus. There is way more truth in that movie. Yeah. Uh, um, but so I'm hoping ultimately, I, I would like to write a, a separate book, maybe a graphic novel, because I'm working with an old member of the Lodge in Los Feliz. He was a, kind of part of our neo-Aquarian uh, group we had in Los Feliz before he moved over here. And he's a, he's a really gifted graphic novelist, Derek. He's been through some, some beautiful times of awakening and awareness mm. with me, like some of my early Gnostic moments. He was there when my first child was born, which was the most unbelievably Gnostic moment I've ever experienced. I mean, talking about filling the oneness with wow. the loving Father. Yeah. Um, that, that broke my head open more than any drug. Yeah, I can imagine. And, and that's ultimately, like, I don't want my book, even though it's called Psilocybin Sundays, I don't want people to think of it as a drug book. Like, or right. they're saying, you have to do drugs in order to really find God. Right. Um, no. You know, that's, that's a path that's worked for me. You yeah. Know, maybe Hunter Thompson. Yeah. Quote, but, yeah. But no, no, this is way bigger than that. Yeah. I, you know, I, for me, like, I had a parallel, you know, kind of thing where I, I felt, like, pretty confident that I had a, a grip on the way things worked, and I would teach the classes, I would teach practice class, teach the art, any class you needed me to teach, I'd teach it, like, I would, and I would teach it pretty straight, I could teach my point of view, this is how I do it, this is how they teach it, so this, if, if, if so-and-so's watching, do it this way, but honestly, you know, if you ask me, you can do it this way, and then I took, like, a fucking heroic dose of mushrooms on 11-11-11, right? Ooh. And then... I always like asking people where they were. All of that came crashing down. <laughs> like, my sense of having any fucking grip on anything, I realized that the whole... My whole paradigm with the Golden Dawn and the tarot cards and the Tree of Life, you know, that was why nowadays, like, I mean, and, and I, I kind of make a shitty teacher because I'm like, someone's like, yeah, the Tree of Life is the glyph of the universe according to the ancient Kabbalists. And I'm like, well, yeah, as interpreted by the Jesuits, you know, uh, in, in, in 1656, who so decided it should be particularly like this. When you say things came toning down, what do you mean? 
what, That's like my whole sense of like like a pentagram being something, you know, or 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 like uh, you know putting up a circle. Like what the fuck, you know? Like there's any difference between my brain and yours? Like there, like like I could ever possibly comprehend the complexity of the of yeah. the intricate of the intricate organic thing happening all around me, and I'm just trying to look away from it towards something something simple I can understand, like a square, and moving things around inside a square, and meanwhile the actual fucking dragon is going on all around me and on my skin, and I'm too terrified to fucking look at it and experience it in present time, because because then I'd be like having some kind of cosmic orgasm all the time, it's and like then God, I'd get arrested. It's like I was saying, yeah, those symbols are cool, but I'm right here. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Boom. And, and my ancestors were there. And I was oh, like, every time I closed my eyes, I was looking at, at the eyes of all my ancestors. And the only way I could get away from them was to roll my eyes back out, out, out the top of this light up at the top of it all. It was like a honeycomb. And I had been inside that honeycomb before once, but it was like not good. Like, they, like it was screaming. I, I, it was when I was young. You know, I was like, I took a wrong turn somewhere. But like there I was again. And I was like, oh, it's all my ancestors. It's, I'm inside my own DNA. The honeycomb motif showed up for yeah. you yeah. That, that's the honeycomb and the bee is, is an ancient oh, Nazi yeah. symbol. Oh wow! There's when there was all the people, the DMT going around on the streets, and all the artists were painting what they were seeing. It was like walking around going, "Yep, yep, uh huh, been there." Yep, wow. like like the, like it's just very clear that there's certain universals that we mm -hmm. all get to when we're when we're in certain states, you know. Mm -hmm. But like yeah, so I'd roll my and I saw that too. I saw people depicting what I'm describing, you know, like where where when you roll your eyes up and then you kind of get away from the eyeballs and the rainbow spectrum and you get up into the white light. But the yeah. problem was it was Janie's birthday and she. She's like, hey, don't fall asleep. It's my birthday, you know. <laughs> and so I'd wait. I'd be like, okay. So there I am, looking at my ancestors again, right? And I'm in. I'm in, in Joshua Tree, right? And I'm and, and 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 I'm like seeing my my ancestors camping in Joshua Tree, like my grandparents there when they were younger, and my oh, grandpa's yeah. mom. Grace was like frowning at everybody because they because they were she thought that my 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 great aunt was dressed too scantily clad and then she <laughs> saw me on mushrooms in a fucking tent like like rolling my eyes around and she was like oh god oh it's just horrible they don't this is not how you camp you know and and so so then later later <laughs> oh, but it is and then my 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 dad like was was a was a heavy presence on like one half. Like, you couldn't even see past his face to his ancestors. It's just him. And he, on my mom's side, it's all he, these ancestors. He, I mean, just when you see his picture there, he right? takes up a lot of headroom. He does. He but, has but, this energy that's And they all, they're all a little pretty weirded out by him mm -hmm. on this side. So I'm having to reconcile all these tenuous threads and explain to my grandma that it's okay, that I'm, like, getting at all this weird tantric shit, every and that it's all connected. Every has and, some connection with ancestors. Yeah. Oh, and and of it's, course. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, honoring, yeah. it's honoring everything down here below us as we all spiral up this yeah. huge well, collective this, DNA core. Yeah, and it's how we're all connected, yeah. and it's how you and I know the same language. It's how we know the same symbols. Is because we have the same ancestors, you know. Like, like, you know. One of my most interesting trips was um, I went with a professor friend of mine, All Saints Episcopal in Pasadena, mm. a beautiful high church liturgy, but it's a very progressive liberal church at the same time, really socially active, um, and it's it's a very good safe place. And, and like he had never done anything like this in a church. He had always gone out to the desert or to, you know, Burning Man or to, um, you know, Moon Tribe or something. He's like, what, you want to do drugs at church? And, and once he experienced it, he's like, this is the perfect place to do drugs. I mean, by drugs, I'm not talking about the bad drugs. I'm talking about the good drugs. You know, psilocybin or marijuana. And the good church. Gross from the earth. 
Yeah. And um, but speed and Scientology. No, yeah. That, that problem. <laughs> Drugs in church. Oh Drugs in church. You know, I could see I could see myth and Scientology going together. There's a similar tweaker level. They go. actually wouldn't let you oh wouldn't let you do an auditing session if you were on meth. But yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, so so we we take. A, a pretty conservative dose, mm -hmm. but as it turns out, enough to be highly visual. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and there was a moment in the Anglican every, every every mass in the Anglican Church, I think in the Catholic as well. There's a part where um, an officiant, and it's always a female in the Anglican Church, stands up and reads the names of people who have died. Mm -hmm. And then there's this kind of silence. Um, These are people who died. Died. Yeah, yeah. To uh, drop the uh, James Carroll on us, um, but. Um, I, I had set my intention early on. I want to see angels. I want to know what angels are about. Because like, mm -hmm. I grew up in a church that talked a lot about demons and being afraid of demons. Right. But what do angels do? Like, mm -hmm. what, they're all throughout the Bible. What is the deal, you know? Um, and um, when I closed my eyes while she was reading the thing, I began to see this undulating purple fabric that kind of went in a spiral. Mm -hmm. And these kind of these beautiful jewels that were embedded, and as close to these jewels were interdimensional beings, and some of the interdimensional beings are people that have gone on, that are living in another dimension, mm -hmm. or some of the interdimensional beings are probably, I don't know, unrecognizable from somewhere else. Somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. But but they wanted to engage. They me. came the other way. But they, <laughs> they wanted to engage me. They, they had this like, hey, you're here. Mm -hmm. Like, let's play the game that we play. Oh right. And and I knew this intuitively. You spin the wheel. You spin the wheel. And all of a sudden, I realized that there's a Gnostic magic square that says, it's called the Seder Rotus. Mm. Um, and it's written on the doorframe of a lot of like uh, archaeological ruins of old churches, and Mithraic too. Mm -hmm. it's, it's this weird thing that connects the Mithraic cults with the, uh, the Gnostic Christians. But it's this weird word, it's like a weird anagram type thing, you spell backwards, sideways, you combine the letters on this like magic square. Mm -hmm. And it all says similar things that basically say, the farmer or the worker does the work by turning the wheel. Mm. And it's similar to the, the Buddhist concept of the wheel as well. Mm. And and I had this awareness. The rituals that we do in religion, they, they're they the ones who gave them to us. Mm. You know, our ancestors, the other dimensional beings. And yeah. this is their way of playing with us. We right. do this, they meet with oh, us. Oh, that's true. And we, we do this thing together. And we're present with them. And it just gave me such a wonderful, comforting feeling. That was one and thing I, I liked really about the Orthodox Church. Was a lot that of my own feeling. issues of death. Like, yeah. I, I lost my fear of death after that service. Mm, wow. It was a beautiful wow, service. Wow, how cool. Yeah. Yeah, after I came down from that trip, I uh, told Janie about it, you know, because I wasn't telling her about it while, while it was happening. I waited until I could articulate it. And then when I told her the part about grace, I suddenly she appeared and she was like, I didn't know you could hear me. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's okay, Grace. I'm sorry. You know, and it was like our first interaction. Like, I always grace? felt... Yeah, my, my, my mother's father's mother, the one that oh was goodness. was in the in the in the trip, the one that was like frowning at everybody. Oh, right, you know? right. And uh, and she was embarrassed and she was apologizing. And so like but that was the first time I didn't feel like this weird sort of estranged feeling about that particular ancestor. Like, because I, I have like I look at my ancestors and I feel like I have a rapport with certain ones. Mm -hmm. But when I look at her, I'm like, mm, I don't know if she'd like me, you know? Because like her, she was the, the the mother of of my grandfather Edward, and he was kind of like this really upstanding citizen version of me, <laughs> you know? Wow. And so like wow. I, I felt like she would like you know really not 
you know, if she produced him, then she probably would frown upon me. You know, I don't know. It was a weird sort of feeling. And then, but then I realized she felt bad, like she had been called out for being judgy, and and that she didn't know that I could hear her thinking. Wow. And, uh, so she experienced a level of transformation. She too. might have realized that wow. I could hear her. Mm -hmm. It might have been a two-way thing. I don't know. Or that, or I'm crazy. <laughs> you know? can, can, I, can I just go ahead and bring yeah. us back to the synchronicity that happened before we came upstairs here? What's that? Uh, Gnosis and I were sitting on the front porch enjoying uh, magic hour, sunset turning into dusk. Mm. Um, and this beautiful overlook of, of Highland Park here on this beautiful house. Mm. And, and I saw what it looked like a helicopter, but the light was blinking off and on in a weird way. And I'm like... Hey, look at that. What, what's the deal with that helicopter? It was like a blinking orange glowing light uh, right. near the cloud line. Right. And I was like, did it go into the cloud? What happened? All of a sudden it flashed, and this weird billowy ghosty thing began to float from the clouds over towards us. And then he was like, what the fuck? What, what is this thing? Yeah, it was, it was going directly towards us, and it was orange and glowing hmm. up high, and then there was a burst of orange and then it went black but I, I still saw it when it uh, uh, went out as it was um, oh, yeah. I could see this, this kind of like wavy shadow uh, behind these uh, lighter gray clouds and it was just falling directly in our direction and it, the amazing thing was that it it looked like it was going to come to the porch it, it was just it, in real time, you could see it. I could see it getting a little bit closer and closer, straight on, and it was uh, kind of freaky how it wasn't, uh, how it was actually visibly getting closer, quick, not like what you said uh, might have been a helicopter right. before. But then it, uh, we soon realized it was a lot tinier than a helicopter. Yeah, it just it billowed and it landed right behind my van down on the street. Wow, like fifty feet down, and. He's like, what is that? What happened? And I'm like, let's go see. You know, we, what do we have on our hands here? And when we went down there, you know, I'm trying to think rational. Okay, maybe some kids sent a helium balloon up, or maybe it's a bag. And then, you know, the, the weird part of me is like, oh, my God, wouldn't it be cool if it's an alien? <laughs> but so I get this. There's this big blobby thing that I don't quite recognize. And Liam's like, what is it? I'm, like, I, I'm not sure. Come take a look. Because it was just this weird kind of blobby thing. Kick it. Like, okay, it's plastic. It has this weird frame on it, and it's something I totally don't recognize. Uh, it'll pick it up, and it looks almost like a deflated beach ball wrapped around a metal frame. And and um, we took it up and looked at it in the porch light, and it was what did you call this thing? A, a Chinese? Uh, oh, it, it was yeah, like a Chinese lan uh, lantern where they put like they soak something in fuel in this frame of a balloon and or that or a little candle and they light it and then it just floats up and it said rest in peace nana yeah. rest in peace nana it was a memorial balloon about three feet in diameter mm. that functions like a small hot air balloon yeah it landed it, it just kind of came to us and it's interesting that that's what we encountered right before this discussion yeah yeah speaking of ghosts and ancestors and so that's kind of an interesting full circle isn't it yeah yeah i love that when lon malodiquette came on in his first episode and he was talking about uh how he and his brother realized that they were their uncle and uh they, they were their two uncles 
at one point when they were both on mushrooms. Oh my goodness. Yeah, and then but then I can't like, wait to hear that. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a good one. Check it out. So um, we're spinning the wheel, Nana. Yeah, yeah. We oh, are spinning the wheel. Oh, it makes me think of the Tibetan wheel, the big wheel that you know they go by and turn the big wheel. Yes. You know? Yeah. Yes. And turn the big wheel. But I mean, there's something to that because, like, either, you know, some days you feel like you're being dragged along by the wheel. You're like, oh, the sun. Oh, not the, snoo the snooze button. The Buddhists talk a lot about that, too. The wheel wasn't necessarily a pleasant thing always. Right. But but if you're the one, like, like uh, the, the, the tribes that wake up before dawn and do the ceremony to call the sun to come up. Yes. And then the, then the sun is up because I called it to come up. <laughs> like, as opposed to, oh, the sun is up. Oh, God. So it's like that's the difference between turning the wheel and being turned by the wheel or uh, being at cause, to use another Scientology term, or versus being at effect. Mm -hmm. You know, Carl Jung, he, he, uh, he dealt a lot in, in Gnosticism. Uh, he's written several books about alchemy, Paracelsus. We were just talking about Carl Gnostics. Uh, his red book, plays a lot into my own spiritual transformation mm -hmm. and all the synchronicities that that were around that my discovery of that yeah um, but um wait where were we where were we just going with this uh, Carl Jung and Gnosticism the way he looked at therapy is so much like is so much like the Gnostic uh, way of thinking um, that Jungian therapy is is almost like a Gnostic initiation mm. because you're you're, you're bringing integration to the shadow side, and it's this marriage, this union of opposites, the mm. persona and the shadow side. Yeah. And, and you're listening to the deeper demons that have caused you trouble, and the part of you that you want to shirk away from, you're saying, all right, I'm listening now. What are you trying to tell me? Mm. And, and, and letting them rest in peace after saying their message. Now, for people who only know the word demon and only that from, like, you know, horror movies? Right. What's a daemon? It, you know, I had to come to peace with that, too. In fact, when I started uh, reading and studying about things that are considered quote-unquote occult, right. I had to purge myself of my own Pentecostal yeah. fear of daemons. Because yeah. <laughs> people in the Pentecostal church believe that... If, oh, it's the it, Pentecostal pronunciation yeah, of demons? Daemons. Oh, daemons. No, if you get too close to something that's been touched by a pagan, you might get daemons. <laughs> like, don't go to that movie theater, you'll get daemons. <laughs> If you go to a secular rock concert, you'll get demons. You know, it's, it's my, like herpes. My, my, you might get a case of the demons. When I was I was cast as Tartuffe in Tartuffe, are you familiar with that play? No. He's a false, false he, like he he convinces a, a rich family that he's very spiritually pious and he's a con man, and uh, and so my grandma was familiar with the play and she said, you know that that Tartuffe is a demon, and you know if he's not careful, he could invoke and start to embody that demon. And my mom and I were like, oh, he's full of sh she's full of shit, you know. But like, then later in life, I was kind of like, God, I, I think I, I did invoke that guy, you know. Like, <laughs> you know, there, there you is know. something to malevolent not, forces. Not to myself, but I mean, I into my life. I believe know? there are malevolent forces. Yeah. But there's this idea that in Gnosticism that the demon is, is kind of like a neutral spiritual entity. That right. can be a demon. Oh, I see. But you can, like, when you read about Jesus. Doing exorcisms, he always asks the demon what's the what the name is. Mm. He says, "What's your name?" Basically, who are you? What you're about? Mm. And uh, no, and there's there's other stories in the, in other Gnostic texts too, where, yeah, yeah. where it's not necessarily uh, that type of dramatic thing. <laughs> but, you put them into the pigs, right? In, in a way, it's almost like you're you're ferreting out the function of the demon. Like, why why are you here? What are you doing? What's your name? Yeah. And it's it's almost the way that a therapist 
can label something. Oh, this is depression. This is anxiety. Oh, this is this is what you call this thing. Mm-hmm. And the person that's been struggling with all this internal chaos mm-hmm. has a label for it now. They're like, oh, that's what that is. I have this. Mm-hmm. And so they can start to manage it. Once you give something a name, you can manage it a little bit. Yeah. So naming the demon, but also seeing what its primary function is. Like Jesus would often ask, why are you doing this? Why are you here? In the same way that a therapist will look at uh, a person's bad habit uh, or, or their struggle with depression or anxiety and say, what is the primary function of this? How is this serving you? Mm. And a lot of times the very thing that people complain about their lives, the pathologies that they struggle with, they serve a function. Mm. That function might be protecting causing people to usually. feel sorry for them oh, or right. protecting from them. Yeah. Maybe they go around with the chip on sh- their shoulder because nobody's ever going to abuse me again because right. I'm going to walk around like this complete badass. And that's, yeah. their, that's their way of interacting with the world. And so therapeutically you say, hey, that's the badass. What's that doing for you? How's that serving you? Right. You know, you can let that go. You don't have to be ruled by it. And then the Jungian quote, which I think is profoundly Gnostic, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life, and you will call it fate. Huh! Um, and it's interesting, some of the, the ascension rituals involved calling out the, the different demiurges or god forms of the different celestial realms. Mm. Um, and it had, a, they, it had a lot to do with fate, like these things, the planetary forces, the elemental spirits, they're going to control my life. It's but, interesting but, but once you call them out, they no longer control you because you see them for what they are. Yeah, that's interesting. I was just thinking about like if somebody, you know, who wasn't aware of their total self, they mm-hmm. only had like the you know some small amount of self, and like that, they, they they think they feel like they're at the at the mercy of these forces, and they don't know what they are, you know. But but you and I know they're probably forces within them, maybe right. from their childhood and you know from society and you know programs running in the background. So. If such a person were to say, you know, read a comic book or whatever, and then and then join a spiritual path and say, I'm gonna I'm gonna join this spiritual path, become a spiritual master like a Jedi, and get through all the grades, and when I get to the top, I'm gonna have knowledge and conversation with my holy guardian angel, who will give me my true name and tell me something great, and I'll be the master of the universe, and that he's gonna tell me that I'm destined to be king of the, the whole the whole eastern half of the United States, and you can have the western half, BT. And uh, you know, like I, I, wow. I've been I've been hitting the cough syrup again. There, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, being stuck <laughs> in the third chakra that was right. in your cult. Yeah, there's yeah. So many of the people you described. Yeah. They're so about power. Right. Like they but, never move into the heart. And, and they so they won't get to the point. Where, like, if you talk about compassion or self-sacrifice or something like that, they're like, no, I, I philosophically disagree with that. And, uh, frankly, I think it's because you're a liberal. You know what I mean? Oh my God. Or something like that. And so, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it gets weird. And, uh, but, like, like, um, like, so, in other words, in order to find the higher will, you have to be open to the fact that it might not be what you're insisting it's fucking going to be. Amen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, my, my higher self surely wants me to screw that hot blonde over there. So, I'm going to contact my higher self. Push the the Ouija board, you know, like a uh, fucking pointer over to yes, and then go introduce myself. You, you know, know like for I, any listeners who for who God thinking, for any listeners who are thinking that's just a bunch of occult bullshit. Yeah, that, that happened with totally different language, but the exact same thing in the Bible college where I would go, mm. where a guy would go up to a the Holy Spirit, go up to a guy and told say, me, you know what? Uh, I think the Lord wants us to start a ministry together. <laughs> I think the Lord wants us to, to be, you know, I, just, I think we need to pray about it. Uh, maybe we should have a time of intimate worship back in the dorm room. You know, <laughs> you know, like, you know the swish, swish, swish of corduroy dry humping. Oh, you know. God. <laughs> hey, in, in Bible college, that was a saying. 
If there's if it's not penetration, it's not fornication. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good time. Oh, we took a deviant turn there. No, no. It's, yeah, yeah. But anyway, yeah, no, no. Um, but yeah, no. Okay, so these days, um, if someone says I'm a gnostic, they say, "Oh, so you're in the OTO," because the um, in in 1970 or 71, when Grady McMurdy and them decided to bring back the OTO, the mm -hmm. Order of Temple Orientis, uh, you know, a famous popularized around here by Jack Parsons, mm -hmm. and. Um, uh, he used made, the powers of hell well, yeah, he to founded start the, the, uh, the Ecclesia Gnostica Catholica, mm -hmm. the uh, EC, uh, the EGC, the Ecclesia Gnostica Catholica specifically, in order that it be a church that can sponsor into existence an order, that order being the Ordo Templi Orientis. And so, um, at least around Hollywood, and they, they got, I believe, the, the church, if it's the same one, I don't know if it's the same one. Is there more than one Gnostic church in Hollywood? Because um, they ended up on the cover of the LA Weekly. Well, Ecclesia Gnostica is, is not OTO. It's, it's no, it's the, it's the... It's, it's the, from France. It's, it's like... They, oh! They the oh, there's, there must be more than one then. Because yeah. the Ecclesia Gnostica Catholica is most definitely the yeah. OTO. But just the Ecclesia Gnostica... Oh! The, the one in town is ran by a Jungian uh, analyst oh. and, and a Carl Jung scholar. Okay. Shit, what is his name? He's from Switzerland. Right, um, brilliant guy. He's really old now, and and frankly, their their liturgy is super boring. Oh. Like uh, like I went with a professor after doing the Anglican thing. He's like, I think I like the Anglican thing better. Um, it seems silly to me to do a, a like a, a Catholic mass version of Gnosticism. I mean, that's what they do in the OTO, but I mean, you know but they do, it, they do it from a different angles. Let me say something about the OTO and and Crowley. Right. Um, a lot of people give him a bad rap, and and he, if you take his his things wrong. Yeah, you could end up in some dark places. Yeah. But there is a historical precedence for the stuff he taught. Basilides was one of the the main leaders of a whole subsect of, of Gnostic experience that was very tantric. Mm -hmm. They they used sex magic. They saw um, the bride and the bridegroom, the bridal chamber, as being a literal uh, sex initiation. Right. Um, and... Um, it wasn't necessarily a orgy pornographic type thing, right. but it was it was a very reverent use of of the most mind bending consciousness expanding experience we have as human beings. Mm. This is from God. You know how do we use what, this as an act of worship? What period was he? Um, it was it was within the second century. Okay, it was within the second century. He was before Valentinius. Mm. Um, but they they used uh, sex magic. There was also a sect of the, of the followers of Bass Ladies that did get kind of dark. They believed in reincarnation. And they're like, if you don't have the urge to do these evil things, it means you already did it in a previous life, so you don't have to do it anymore. Uh -huh. And so, yeah, there were definitely people within that that took license to do certain grotesque things. Mm. Um, because in any religious movement, there's going to be deviant people that glom onto it and twist it. Mm. But I think the most pure form of Bass Ladian thought, and Crowleyan thought actually too, is is a way of confronting your anxieties. Like, God, what am I capable of? Am I capable of doing some atrocious thing mm. to some child or, or some... Or, or it's kind of the feeling you get if you're standing by the Grand Canyon with someone. You're like, their, their life is in my hands. I could push them off. Right. And all of a sudden, look at that feeling of panic. God, I'm a sociopath because I had that thought. Right. But every human being... And, and there's a whole form of obsessive-compulsive disorder that's related to... It's like, almost like Tourette's. What's the worst thing that I can think of right now. Right. Um, and in a way, confronting that 
is it's a type of exposure therapy. Mm. So you're not acting it out literally, but you're kind of confronting it on the astral plane, as it were. Mm. And so some of the Crowley work can really be done therapeutically, or it can be done to turn you into to a total narcissistic asshole, right. <laughs> as happens to some of the Crowley people. Yeah. And ironically enough, a lot of what we know about Basilides and, and some of the early Gnostic initiatory rituals, yeah. they were, um, they were, a lot of it was preserved by the people who were creating polemics against the heretics. Mm. Irenaeus, um, from Lyons, France, oddly enough. Mm. Um, and uh, he was responding to the Gnostics that became the Cathars. Mm. Um, uh, Tertullian, you know, these were the heroes of the faith you know, uh, making the pronouncements against the Gnostics. Do you know what they believe? Do you know what they do? Hmm. And actually, thanks, guys. Oh, now, centuries see. later, we know uh, what the initiation rites were. <laughs> and we know what text they were using. And now that we found the knock body text, yep, yeah, you were right about some of that. Some of it you were totally pulling out of proportion. Right. <laughs> Thank you. Gnosis. And thank you, silence. And thank you to the silent Gnosis for being our guest today on the Esoterra Nerd Podcast. Special thanks to Susumu Ueda and his father and the other monks at Jofukuin on Mount Koyasan for the music you're hearing right now. Special thanks to Israeli Sesame Street and Jonathan Goldman for the musical accompaniment to the segment Aleph Betvet Gimel Dalit Hay. Special thanks to Paul Foster Case and to the builders of the Adidam. And most importantly, thank you to you, the Esoteric Nerd, listening to this podcast. I thought it would be appropriate to close today's episode with a recital of a Gnostic scripture. The Thunder. Perfect Mind. I was sent forth from the power, and I have come to those who reflect upon me, and I have been found among those who seek after me. Look upon me, you who reflect upon me, and you hearers, hear me. You who are waiting for me, take me to yourselves, and do not banish me from your sight, and do not make your voice hate me, nor your hearing. Do not be ignorant of me anywhere or any time. Be on your guard. Do not be ignorant of me. For I am the first and the last. I am the honored one and the scorned one. I am the whore and the holy one. I am the wife and the virgin. I am the mother and the daughter. I am the members of my mother. I am the barren one, and many are her sons. I am she whose wedding is great, and I have not taken a husband. I am the midwife, and she who does not bear. I am the solace of my labor pains. I am the bride and the bridegroom, and it is my husband who begot me. I am the mother of my father, and the sister of my husband, and he is my offspring. I am the slave of him who prepared me. I am the ruler of my offspring. But he is the one who begot me before the time on a birthday. And he is my offspring in due time. 
and my power is from him. I am the staff of his power in his youth, and he is the rod of my old age. And whatever he wills happens to me. I am the silence that is incomprehensible and the idea whose remembrance is frequent. I am the voice whose sound is manifold and the word whose appearance is multiple. I am the utterance of my name. Why, you who hate me, do you love me and hate those who love me? You who deny me, confess me, and you who confess me, deny me. You who tell the truth about me, lie about me, and you who have lied about me, tell the truth about me. You who know me, be ignorant of me, and those who have not known me, let them know me. For I am knowledge and ignorance, I am shame and boldness, I am shameless, I am ashamed. I am strength and I am fear, I am war and peace, give heed to me. I am the one who is disgraced and the great one. Give heed to my poverty and my wealth. Do not be arrogant to me when I am cast out upon the earth, and you will find me in those that are to come. And do not look upon me on the dung heap, nor go and leave me cast out, and you will find me in the kingdoms. And do not look upon me when I am cast out among those who are disgraced and in the least places, nor laugh at me. And do not cast me out among those who are slain in violence. But I, I am compassionate and I am cruel. Be on your guard. Do not hate my obedience and do not love my self-control. In my weakness, do not forsake me and do not be afraid of my power. For why do you despise my fear and curse my pride? But I am she who exists in all fears and strength in trembling. I am she who is weak, and I am well in a pleasant place. I am senseless, and I am wise. Why have you hated me in your counsels? For I shall be silent among those who are silent, and I shall appear and speak. But then have you hated me, you Greeks, because I am a barbarian among barbarians? For I am the wisdom of the Greeks, and the knowledge of the barbarians. I am the judgment of the Greeks and the barbarians. I am the one whose image is great in Egypt, and the one who has no image among the barbarians. I am the one who has been hated everywhere, and who has been loved everywhere. I am the one who they call life, and you have called death. I am the one who they call law, and you have called lawlessness. I am the one whom you have pursued, and I am the one whom you have seized. I am the one whom you have scattered and you have gathered me together. I am the one before whom you have been ashamed, and you have been shameless to me. I am she who does not keep festival, and I am she whose festivals are many. I, I am godless, and I am the one whose God is great. I am the one whom you have reflected upon, and you have scorned me. I am unlearned, and they learn from me. I am the one that you have despised, and you reflect upon me. I am the one whom you have hidden from, and you appear to me. But whenever you hide yourselves, I myself will appear. For whenever you appear, I myself will hide from you. Those who have to it senselessly take me understanding from grief. That part, nobody knows what it really says there. I guess it was ripped or something. 
And take me to yourselves from understanding and grief. And take me to yourselves from places that are ugly and in ruin. And rob from those which are good, even though in ugliness. Out of shame, take me to yourselves shamelessly. And out of shamelessness and shame, upbraid my members in yourselves. And come forward to me, you who know me, and you who know my members. And establish the great ones among the small first creatures. Come forward to childhood, and do not despise it, because it is small and it is little. And do not turn away greatnesses in some parts from the smallnesses, for the smallnesses are known from the greatnesses. Why do you curse me and honor me? You have wounded and you have had mercy. Do not separate me from the first ones whom you have known. And do not cast anyone out, nor turn anyone away. Turn away and know him not. What is mine? Again, these parts are a little sketchy. I know the first ones, and those after them know me. But I am the mind of, and the rest of. I am the knowledge of my inquiry, and finding of those who seek after me, and the command of those who ask me, and the power of the powers in my knowledge of the angels, who have been sent at my word, and of gods and their seasons by my counsel and of spirits of every man who exists with me, and of women who dwell within me. I am the one who is honored, and who is praised, and who is despised scornfully. I am peace, and war has come because of me. I am an alien and a citizen. I am the substance, and the one who has no substance. Those who are without association with me are ignorant of me, and those who are in my substance are the ones who know me. Those who are close to me have been ignorant of me, and those who are far away from me are the ones who have known me. On the day when I am close to you, you are far away from me, and on the day when I am far away from you, I am close to you. I am within. I am of the natures. I am of the creation spirits. I request of the souls. I am control and uncontrollable. I am the union and the dissolution. I am the abiding, and I am the dissolution. I am the one, and they come up to me. I am the judgmental and the acquittal. I am sinless, and the root of sin derives from me. I am lust in outward appearance, and interior self-control exists within me. I am the hearing, which is attainable to everyone, and the speech, which cannot be grasped. I am a mute who does not speak, and great is my multitude of words. Hear me in gentleness, and learn of me in roughness. I am she who cries out, and I am cast forth upon the face of the earth. I prepared the bread and my mind within. I am the knowledge of my name. I am the one who cries out, and I listen. I appear and walk in seal of. I am the defense. I am the one who is called truth and iniquity. You honor me and you whisper against me. You who are vanquished, judge them before they give judgment against you, because the judge and partiality exist in you. If you are condemned by this one, who will acquit you? Or if you are acquitted by him, who will be able to detain you? For what is inside of you is what is outside of you. And the one who fashions you on the outside is the one who shaped the inside of you. And what you see outside of you, you see inside of you. It is visible, and it is your garment. 
Hear me, you hearers, and learn of my words, you who know me. I am the hearing that is attainable to everything. I am the speech that cannot be grasped. I am the name of the sound, and the sound of the name. I am the sign of the letter, and the designation of the division. And I, three lines missing, something about light, hears to you the great power, and will not move the name, and the one who created me, and I will speak his name. Look then at his words, and all the writings which have been completed. Give heed then, you hearers, and you also, the angels, and those who have been sent, and you spirits who have arisen from the dead, for I am the one who alone exists, and I have no one who will judge me. For many are the pleasant forms which exist in numerous sins, and inconsistencies, and disgraceful passions, and fleeting pleasures, which men embrace until they become sober, and go up to their resting place. And they will find me there, and they will live, and they will not die again.